Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast, where as a church, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So if you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend worship experience. We'd love for you to stay connected with us by visiting us at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. Thanks for being with us, and we really hope you enjoy this message. All right, how many people are ready to hear the Word of God today? Amen. I'm ready to preach it. This is the first time we've done three services, but I feel good because I'm as excited to preach it a third time as I was the first time. And so if you have been here for three services too, it's the same message. All right, open your Bible to Genesis chapter 25 verse 21. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Um, there's, there's an app for it. Uh, we've got free Bibles here at the church if you'd like one, but also we put the verses behind us on the screen so you can read along with us. Genesis 25, 21. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. I love this. And the Lord answered his prayer. How many people believe God still answers prayers? And his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. Verse 22, and the babies, I got to emphasize that S because it is plural, not the baby, but the babies jostled each other within her. That's a word we don't get to use often. Jostled each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? How many people think we could stop right there and preach a whole me- Wouldn't that be a great sermon title? Why is this happening to me? I think that might be the subtitle of my message. So she went to inquire of the Lord. At least she went to the right person. So she went to inquire of the Lord. I need to pause here and let you know that we are getting information as the readers of this story that Rebecca is not. Because even though the story is about Rebecca, Rebecca is in the story. So she cannot see what we see. We have been apprised to this information that she is carrying twins because the style of writing that the author has taken for this portion of scripture is the third person omniscient narrator, which means that the narrator knows all things, but the person in the story only knows what they see. So the revelation that Rebecca has babies is not something that Rebecca knows because at the time of her uh, uh, being pregnant, her carrying the baby, there were no such thing as sonograms. If you think about it, you didn't know you were having twins until you had them. And what a surprise that was, I bet, huh? You push, you push, you push. You're like, oh, snap, we did it. All right, let's go eat. And they're like, no, wait, I see a foot. I see a hand. I see a head. My mind crazy, right? I, I, I bring that up because Rebecca doesn't know that there's babies inside of her. All she knows is that something is fighting inside of her. She doesn't have all the information, but she feels the internal struggle taking place inside of her. And she doesn't know why. She feels the pain, but she doesn't know the purpose. There's a wrestling match happening on the inside of her. And so she goes to the Lord to inquire. I have discovered in my life that pain is often the pivot point of purpose. It isn't until something hurts, hello, that we start to inquire of the Lord. 
And so she goes to the Lord because some days she feels good and some days she feels bad. And some days she feels like she has energy and some days she's exhausted. And I don't know if you've ever been pregnant, but I've seen them babies punch and kick and it can be a wild scene. And I remember the first time my wife put my hand on her belly, she said, you got to feel it. Felt like an alien. It was so weird. Imagine twins going at it. It happens. Google it. I saw a video. It's crazy. I was going to show it, but I thought it would be distracting. (laughs) So she's got this question. Why is it happening? Verse 23, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. That's why you feel what you feel. That's why there's fighting on the inside of you. And two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other. The older will serve the younger. And when the time came for her to give birth, and this was really only when she knew it for sure, there were twin boys in her womb. I want to preach to anyone today who is at church who asks themselves the question, why am I going through this? Why do I feel this tension inside of me? Why do I feel like I'm fighting myself? Why does it feel like there are two nations and two directions and two destinies? Where is this internal struggle inside of me? My prayer is that at the end of the message, you will have your answer. And the answer for why you feel, why I feel, the way I feel is going to be what God told Rebecca. Because, here's the title of my message, there's someone else inside me. There's someone else inside me. Tell a neighbor, the one that you like the most, tell them there's someone else inside me. Yeah. And if nobody spoke to you, I apologize. That's messed up. But there's someone else inside me. I've come to perform a spiritual sonogram on your soul today. And the results of the sonogram show that you are carrying twins. Yes, even you men, you are carrying twins and they're identical twins. At least on the outside, they look the same, but on the inside, their nature is very different. I don't know how many people can tell where I'm going with this message, but there is someone inside me and they want abs. They really do. But the problem is, There's someone else inside me, and they want nachos. (laughs) It's a problem. There's someone inside me, and they want to get to bed early because that's the responsible thing to do. You know, you got to get to bed early so you can wake up early and get the kids to school. You got to get up early and go to work and get up early and pray and read your Bible. So there's someone inside me and they want to go to bed early, but there's someone else inside me and they want to watch one more episode to see how it turns out. Like at least till the first season's done. Like, and then I'll, season one will get done tonight and then season two will go for that tomorrow night. <laughs> I don't know if I'm preaching to anybody, but there's someone inside me and they love, or I should say they want to love people. But there's someone else inside me and they kind of want all people to go away. (laughs) Not forever. Just for like August. Like, (laughs) come back in September. Maybe there's someone inside you who wants to stay sober. 
but there's someone else inside of you that could really use a drink right now. Maybe there's someone inside you that wants to fight for your marriage, but then there's someone else inside you that kind of wants to end it. There's someone inside you who wants to forgive the person who offended you and the people you love, but then there's also someone else inside you that wants to fight the people who offended you and the ones that you love. There's someone inside you that wants to believe. But if we're honest, there's someone else inside you that wants to give up. It's so crazy. Uh, look at my kids. I've got two boys, Justice and Zane. It's so crazy to me how two people from the same body could be so different. Justice and Zane are, are, are brothers, but they're different. Uh, Justice is the talker. Uh, Zane is the listener. Justice is the saver. Uh, Zane is the spender, like his mother. Um, and sometimes their differences complement each other. Like, since Justice is a storyteller, a lot of times uh, they'll come up with comics. And Justice will create the story of the comic, but Zane loves illustrating. So he'll draw the pictures for the comics. So that's always cute when, they're, when their weaknesses and their, you know, kind of come together and their strengths kind of meld. Um, but more often than not, if we're being honest, their, dis- their differences often lead to disagreements, typically over two things, the Xbox and their bedroom. The Xbox, you can only play one game at a time. So if one boy, and they only get one hour of video game together. So if one boy wants to play one game and another boy wants to play another game, it's just, it's just whoever wins the fight, the fist fight. We let them hash it out. Whoever <laughs> comes out on top gets to pick the game. Whoever draws blood first. Um, the, then there's the other thing. I'm kidding. I'm joking. The other thing they fight over is their room. Because sometimes one of them will want to play one game in the room and someone else will want to play another game in the room or one will complain that they made the room messy and, and they made the room messy. And here's what I've noticed about my kids. They don't fight because they're different. They fight because two different people are trying to share the same thing. Which is why if you're a smart grandparent and you've got two grandchildren, you always buy two versions of the same thing. So they don't fight each other. But your boy can't afford two Xboxes. And my house isn't big enough so they can each have their own room. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. The reason why you're fighting, the reason why you have that internal, internal struggle, the reason why you feel up some days and down some days and, and okay some days and pessimistic other days and hopeful the other days is because you've got two people inside of you, but they're fighting to try and share the same mind. You've got two people inside you, but they're fighting to share the same body. You've got two people inside you, but they're fighting to share the same marriage. You got two people inside you, but they're fighting to share the same income. You got two people inside of you and their natures are opposed to one another. So I'm preaching to anyone today who finds themselves at war within themselves. You might feel, you know, this is you if you feel maybe a little indecision in life, like you're not sure really what choice to make. And for a lot of us, it's not that we, it's because we don't know that there's two people inside of us. We know that there's two people inside of us. Like the cartoon, you know, the angel and the devil. We're just not sure which one's talking right now. Because we've seen, because people, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, that's not always easy. Because I've seen Jesus pick up the cross and do the humble thing. And I've seen, but I've also seen him flip tables. So I'm just saying, What's the correct response to this moment right here? <laughs> do I flip the tables or do I die on the cross? I'm not sure which one is speaking to me. And sometimes there's a shame that that thought could even cross your mind or a fear that you'll become the worst of you or a, de- or a despair that you'll never arrive at the best of you. To summarize my sermon in one sentence, here's what I'm trying to tell you, that the worst of you is not all of you 
and the best of you is not outside of you. There are two natures, okay, put it on the screen. There are two natures that exist inside of you. And the worst of you, because the word behind me, is not all of you. And the best of you is not outside of you. You have those two natures on the inside living. And I want to introduce you to them really quickly, those natures. We see them in this story inside Rebecca's womb. The, the two people that are in her are the two people that are in this story that are the two people in you. The first, we meet him in 2525 in the book of Genesis. The first to come out, someone say the first was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. That's messed up that the Bible would point out his flaws like that. He's a hairy baby. I'm like, that's not, that's not nice. The Bible's not trying to be mean or not trying to be nice. When the Bible mentions details like that, it's because they want you to pick up on the details of their description because the details of the description are actually a metaphor for their behavior and personality. So when it says red, Red in the Old Testament was symbolic of sin. Isaiah said, although their sin be like scarlet, red. So we got Esau here, and he's kind of already birthed in this sin. What is sin? The bad choice, the wrong choice, missing the mark. He's just always making bad choices. This is who he's going to be. This is this one person. And also, he's hairy. Now, why would they put him on blast like that, that he's hairy? Because what they're saying is when he came out, his whole body was covered in hair. In other words, he looks more animal than man. He's got this animalistic, carnal way about him, and that's Esau. In other words, he lives to, to, to fill the basic instincts of this life, like sex, food, sleep. Essentially, he wants to discover pleasure and avoid pain. That's all he I almost named this point, there's someone inside me and they're basic. Because it's all this person wants, just to live for the basic things in life. They don't want anything higher. They have no ambition, no aspiration, just to survive. But instead, I labeled this point, there's someone inside me and they're the first to come out. They're the first to come out. You know you got an animal inside you that is looking to come out, right? And more often than not, that animal inside of you is the first person to come out when life throws you difficult situations. Like, I've got this dog. Any dog owners in the house? So I know what it's like to live with a dog, an animal in your house. And uh, I remember the trainer once told me, said, hey, if you train this dog enough, if you give him the commands, you can actually walk him without a leash. I was like, okay. That sounds awesome. Walking your dog without a leash, first off, total boss move. Could you imagine seeing me walking down the street just with my dog like, what's up? No leash, just like two peas in a pod. You know what I'm saying? You and ITY, we got this. I thought that'd be cool. Second, could you imagine just letting him go do his business? I keep an eye on it, so I pick up the poop because I'm not a bad neighbor. But, and then he just comes back home when he's done. Oh, freedom. So I tried it one day. I felt like he had learned all the commands, you know, come, place, off. Those are like the main ones. I opened up my garage and Blue, that's his name, he starts running out. And he looks at me and I'm like, you've earned this, buddy. Be free. <laughs> and so he's walking, doing his stuff. And as he's walking, doing his stuff, this lady comes by and she's got two female poodles. And Blue freezes. He looks at me. 
He looks at the poodles. He looks at me, almost as if to say, And I'm looking at him almost as if to say, <laughs> and he's like, and he books it towards this lady. I went inside after it was all done. Liz said, what's that noise? I said, it's the neighbor screaming. She yelled at the top of her lungs. Blue ran after these two poodles. I had to chase him. None of the commands worked. Place off, stop, Jesus. None of them, none of them work. And he's neutered, y'all. Like, I don't know how smart dogs are. I don't know what they know and what they don't know, but you can't tell me he don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, he knows. Like, bro, you do not have the right tools for the job. You know what I'm saying? But he did not care. Because even though he didn't have the equipment, even though he had the commands, even though he had the training, he was put in a position where his instinct took over. Have you ever been in a position where even though you know the commands, and even though you got the training, your instinct takes over, and you do the thing you know you shouldn't do, you say the thing you know you shouldn't say, you go where you know you shouldn't go, and you can't even stop it. You have the commands, but that animal inside of you runs to it. If that's you today, let me help you. Do with yourself what I did with Blue. Are you ready? I never let him walk without a leash again. In other words, I stopped trusting that my animal could be more than an animal. Some of y'all need to stop. You trust yourself too much. You trust your instinct too much. And so now I got them on a leash. And when I go outside, I make sure that there's no poodles before I let him go. Because I don't want to put my dog in a situation or a position where the animal inside of him comes out and takes control. Why do you put yourself in positions? Where you know, if you get there, if you call him, if you go there, if you pick that up, if you get on the computer that late. Oh, sorry, I'm just preaching to nobody today. It's okay. Listen, there's two things you can say in church, amen or ouch. Both work. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to help you, but I can't help what you pretend is not going on in your life. So let's make this a little team effort. Why do you put yourself in positions when you know, and then you get mad at yourself that you didn't have the discipline to stop the instinct to come out. Discipline is not the problem. Decisions are the problem. You got your instinct off a leash and you're putting them out there where you know the worst of you is going to come out. And it doesn't just come out, it comes out first. Always take time to evaluate the first thing that comes to your mind. Because it's usually Esau that comes out first. So like when you're getting ready, when your thumbs are ready and you got that comment to write back on that person's post. Am I talking to anybody who has social media today? And your thumbs are there. And you're like, I am so ready to burn them right now. Oh my gosh. Can I just encourage you to put your thumbs back in your pocket? Because the the first comment to come out is probably not the right one. You know, the first draft of that email that you want to send to that coworker is probably not the best version of that email you can send. You might need to revise that a little bit. Maybe take out a couple of the cuss words. You know what I'm saying? Maybe add some emojis in there. Lighten it up. Maybe not go all caps. 
And that's a good decision. Maybe we'll go lower caps on some of these words. Hey, when someone offends you and they did something to hurt you, here's what I'm saying. Don't trust the first interpretation of that person's motives. Because the first interpretation of someone else's motives are always going to be wicked, evil. We judge other people by their motives. We judge us by our actions. Have you ever noticed that? When people do that, we, we have a story for why we did something. But when someone else does that, we allow the first reaction to come out. Don't allow the first one to come out. If you want to quit your job because you had a bad day at work, do not trust your first emotions. I wrote it like this. Never make a quick decision because of a temporary feeling that has lasting consequences. Take your time. That's the first person, Esau. But the second person, Genesis 25, 26. And after this, somebody say after. His brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Oh my gosh, I love that word. That word encourages me so much. The word after. I love it because what the word after connotates is that the person I am today is not the person I will always be. That there is another version that comes after this version. Come on, there is an update. I might be the OS 11 right now, but there is an OS 12. Once I work out all the bugs of version 11, there's a version 12 that's coming. And when version 12 comes out, you ever notice that they can't send you one version with no bugs? Why they, oh, they've been updating my iPhone for the last 15 years. You would think at some point there would be no bugs. Every version of yourself has bugs. That's the sad part. The good part is there's a better version getting ready to download right now. Come on, who am I preaching to today? We're going to work the bugs out of this version, and there's a better version coming after. After, after, after. I love after. You know, Jacob wasn't great all the time. He was a bad dude. He lied to people. He stole. But then eventually, God changes his name. We'll get to that in a little bit. And then he becomes so blessed that the number one name in the Bible is Jesus. But the number two name, Jacob and Israel. The other name for Jacob. He becomes so blessed, but he became that person after. I know you're not too excited about who you are now, but can you get a little bit excited about who you'll become after? I'm so, I'm so, I'm so happy. I'm so glad to know that Jacob was born after Esau because that shows me that beautiful things can be born after ugly things. After hairy things, after red things, after traumatizing things, after, after things that mess you up. Beautiful. I'm just talking to somebody right now, some girl right now in the audience. Boyfriend number one was broke. Boyfriend number two was bitter. Boyfriend number three was busted. But there's another boyfriend coming out on the way. It's the one that comes after. And he's got that. He don't got the other issues that everybody, he got some issues, but he's better. And he comes after. And the reason why you had to have boyfriend number one through three is because if you didn't have a bad one, you wouldn't be able to recognize a great one. When you meet them, you just think they're average. They're not average. They're better. But you don't know better unless you've been through worse. I got a lot of people to thank for me and Liz getting together. Jesus, number one. Number two. My prayer life, because there's no way I got that without prayer. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> Number three, her father, who told her, like, this is the one. Go for him. And she needed that. Number four, all of her ex-boyfriends. <laughs> I thank God for every single one. I'm serious. I'm sorry they mistreated you. I'm sorry that they didn't. I took her out on one date. One date. She said, that's the best date I've ever been on in my life. And that was like my C game. You know what I'm saying? 
I'm just playing. That was like my A game, my old way. When she told me that, I was like, oh my God, pressure. I emptied out my bank account in three months, took her on three dates. I had no more money at the end of those dates. <laughs> she told me, nobody ever treated me like this before. She told me on the phone, nobody's ever treated me like this before. I'm glad that because she went through worse, she was able to recognize better. But you don't get to better until after. After, 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 after. One day I'm going to do a sermon series on the prefix re. Restore, renovate, revival. Because we all love those words. What we fail to grasp in all those words is that all those words come after. You can't have a restoration unless you have a destruction. You can't have a, 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 a renovation if you don't have an expiration. You can't have a revival if you don't have death. The person you want to be can't be who they're going to be unless they go after. After, after. I'm thankful for Jacob who came after. I'm just telling you, you might not be excited about this version of you. That's cool. But I am so pumped for the person that is coming after. After the divorce. After the failed exam. After you've been let down. After your friend betrayed you. After your mama talked about you. After they, after they messed up your heart. After you got the, after the church hurt. After it all. I can't be excited for the person who comes after. That person is going to be better. That person is going to be better. That person is going to be better. Let's keep going on the story. Let's keep going on the story. Genesis chapter 25, verse 29. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Esau came in from the open country, famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. Quick. Why quick? Because the first man always wants it now. The first woman always wants it now. That first creature, that first animal, that carnal instinct inside of us, that flesh, and those are all the words we use in church, you might find it in your Bible. Carnal, flesh, sinful nature. That first person wants it now, 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 now. How many times have we sacrificed eternal purpose for temporary pleasure? How many times have we said, I want it now? Ended up costing him his destiny. Quick, let me have some of that now. Verse 31, Jacob replied, because Jacob don't think now. Jacob doesn't think first. Jacob thinks after. So he goes, I'll give you this soup, but first sell me your birthright. And this is just a great example of how messed up Jacob was. Like, yes, he was thinking after, but your brother's about to die and you got him on soup, like blackmailing him with soup? Like, or maybe he knew Esau was exaggerating. Look what Esau says in verse 32. Look, I'm about to die. What good is the birthright to me? You're about to die? Die? Like, your heart stop? Die? You know, a person can live 40 days without food if they just have water? Fact. They live off the fat storages in their body. So some of us can live a little longer than 40. I'm sorry, that's inappropriate. Um, so are you telling me we on day 41 right now, Esau? Like, if you don't get this soup, you're just going to, like, if you don't give me the, I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. I'm just trying to get my mind around it. So if you don't have soup, you're going to die? There's someone inside me, and they're catastrophic. Catastrophic. Put it on the screen. You know what that means? I learned this word just two weeks ago. They catastrophize everything. Everything is the end of their life. Have you ever heard that person inside you? Come on, that's that one inside you who's got WebMD bookmarked on the browser. You cough one time, and you have self-diagnosed yourself as like you've got the bubonic plague, like, because cough is a symbol, a signal, a symptom of the plague, and about a thousand other things, 
but your mind went straight there. I'm talking about the person who it takes your friend longer than usual to text you back. But in the meantime, you go, this friendship's over. <laughs> this must be why. They didn't text me because they're mad about that thing and the other thing, and they're upset at me, and it's all over. And your mind just went to that? Just catastrophizing everything? Because Pastor JJ didn't say good morning to you in the lobby. He thinks that I'm a sinner. Like, maybe I just didn't see you. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'll say, good I'll say, I'll meet me after service. I'll say it now. And I'm not even picking on you. I'm picking on me. I do this. I have thought that the church, I thought the church, this church was, I mean, I shouldn't say this because we have so many first time guests here, but I have thought that this church was going to die about five times in the last 18 months. First was when COVID happened the first time and we couldn't meet anymore. I thought, we're not going to make it. I'm going to die. It's over. Second was the George Floyd uh, murder. I talked about it in a sermon. After I talked about it, people came up to me and said, I can't go to your church anymore because you talked about it. Other people came up to me and said, I can't go to your church anymore because you didn't talk about it enough. Come make anybody happy that this church is over. Then came the mask wars. I didn't know we were going to have mask wars. <laughs> then came the mask wars. Then came the Trump-Biden wars. Then came the vaccine wars. Then the escalator broke. Now, that sounds silly to you, but I swear to you, I was back there in the green room. Now you know where the green room is, so don't find me, though. But I was back there in the green room, and because and, sometimes I love people, and sometimes. <laughs> and, and I got the message. They said, oh, sorry, the, the escalator broke. And, and I'm looking at it, and I go, this is it. We have waited months to have the grand opening of this. People are going to come here for the first time, and their first impression of this church is going to be a broken escalator. They're going to think we can't take them to heaven. And in my own little world, please talk to me if you do this. I took a little thing and I said, this thing is going to end everything. You know why? Because we're headline people. The culture of today has fed us on headlines, 120 characters or whatever the number is now for Twitter. 140? 180? Anybody here tweet? Oh, we got a sanctified church. Anybody on Twitter in this church? <laughs> Hell, I saw a headline the other day um, popped up on my feed. It said, um, vaccine-resistant variant ready to upend the world. I thought, oh, dang. I need to read this document. As a pastor, I've got people's lives in my hands. I need to read this. So I took the time to read past the headline, which, if we're honest, many of us don't do. So I jump into the story. You know what I find out? That the study that was done was done with the Chinese vaccine. I'm like, well, I don't live in China. 0.2% of the people who are sick with it now have it, 0.2%, which means that although it was resistant, it's not very contagious. And here's the last one that got me at the end of the research. It said, but none of these findings have been peer-reviewed. As if to say, but everything I just told you is like my guess. It's going to upend the world. You know, that's why they call it headlines. Because it gets in your head, lives in your head, 
and redirects your whole life because of one line. I'm going to tell you something. This is going to sound preacher corny. You know what preacher corny is? Preacher corny is when we make it rhyme or we do something like that just to make a point even though we know it's corny. This is preacher corny, but this can set you free. Listen, write this down. You need to learn to replace the headlines with God lines. As I was back there, this week, this week has been crazy for me. I had my toilet back up into my house, $10,000 to repair, the sewage coming out from the bottom. My wife on my AC started leaking two days ago, and my wife's car overheat transmission uh, right when she pulled in today for church this morning. And that's just the physical stuff going on. I'm going to tell you about the rest of the stuff. And I meant this with all of my heart. As I thought that I could could hear the catastrophes coming, you know, in my mind. And then at the same time, a God line popped into my head when Jesus was talking to Peter. And he said, on this rock, he was talking about Jesus. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And what I did was I took all the headlines that were running back and forth through my mind and I replaced it with the God line. And on this rock, the gates of hell will not prevail. This is why you need to be in your Bible so you can replace some of those headlines with God lines. But he who is within me is greater than he who is in the world. But he who is for me is no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I hear the world's lines, but I'm going to replace the world's lines, the headlines. With the God lines, with the God lines, with the God lines. Worship team, you can come up. I got another point, but I'm going to skip it. We will get to the end. I won't take too long. I want to I wanna go. I said, you got somebody in you who's catastrophic. Let me say this really quickly. Genesis 25, 33. Here's what Jacob said. But Jacob said to Esau, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him. Esau swore that he would give Jacob his birthright. And that's it. End of conversation. Next chapter. No contract. How many people know if you don't get it in writing? Not only that, but you're making a deal with someone whose name means carnal, liar, right? Like, why was he so? There's someone else inside me, and they're confident. He walked away from that negotiation like, oh, it's going to happen, whether you honor your end of the bargain or not. And you know why I think he was confident? Because his mother, Rebecca, remembered the word that God gave her. She said, Jacob, you don't know this, but when you were in my belly, remember those mama stories that she gave you when you were in the belly? When you were in the belly, the Lord told me you was going to be a preacher in my belly. When you were in my belly, Jacob, God told me that the older would serve the younger, that a nation would be risen out from you and your children, that they would rescue and save the whole world. Do you get it? Jacob was not confident in Esau. He was confident in the word and promises of God. He was able to walk away from the contract with his shoulders back and his head held. He was like, God already done said it. But this time, if it goes to court, I got an argument too. Like, I got this worked out on every angle. My confidence doesn't come from others. My confidence comes from what God calls me to be. My confidence comes from his purpose over my life. My confidence comes from his promises in the word. I'm confident. That's another preacher corny, but I like to call it Godfident. Because I'm not confident in any of my abilities or skills. I mean, who God says I am and who God says he is, most importantly. One last one, Genesis 32, 24. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. 
And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip. This is the first time you're listening to this story. The man that Jacob is fighting with is God. I told the other services, you got to be careful. Sometimes you think you're fighting a person, but you're really fighting God. God allowed that issue to come into your life so you can fight with him and what he wants to show you. Jacob's hip was wrenched so that he wrestled with the man. And then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, let me get those three volunteers that we asked before to come up. I will not let you go unless you bless me. And I can't help but notice how Esau would have responded in the same situation. Esau. Remember Esau? He was the one who thought he was dying and gave up his birthright like that. Why? Because there's someone inside me and they want to give up. They want to give up on their job. They want to give up on their family. They want to give up on their kids. They want to give up on their church. They want to give up maybe even on God. That's what that Esau inside of you wants to do. To give up, lay down, surrender. I'm not going to overcome it. I'm dying. I got to give up. But good old Jacob. Jacob said, I will not let you go. In other words, there's someone else inside of me and they won't let go. You ever been in a situation where you want to let go, but God doesn't let go of you? You ever try, you ever try and stop coming to church like if you grew up in church? You ever try and stop coming to church and then you turn on the radio and it's like Z88.3? You know what I'm saying? Like you, you go to Publix and the person behind the counter, even if they're not supposed to, they'd be like, God bless you. And you stop for a chicken sandwich and it ends up being Chick-fil-A. I'm just saying, has God ever pursued anyone here today when you tried to get away? And he was just like, mm -mm. there's someone inside me and they won't let go. I want to give up, but I can't. I'm going to illustrate this really quickly because you have to catch it. They won't let go. They won't let go. Have you noticed he wouldn't let go of God, but when he was born, the Bible says that he wouldn't let go of. Yeah, he had his heel, remember? And he wouldn't let go. And so let's illustrate this real quick. If you would mind, turn this way. Pick your leg up. He's going to need someone to help him balance. Because, yeah, help with the other hand here. Hold it with the other hand here. Awesome. And I want you to take this hand. I want you to put it on this guy. Yeah. And you want you to, all right. So, so you're Jacob. Okay. You're Esau. And you're God. And now here is Jacob. And he is wrestling with the old him and the new him. And this is so many of our lives. We are caught in the tension between two people who live inside of us. And I, I love what the Bible says. Verse 27, the man asked him, how do we overcome this? The man asked him, what is your name? He said, Jacob, which really God already knew what his name was. He just needed Jacob to tell him who he was. In other words, the process of transformation begins with confession. The ability to tell God who you are. He said Jacob because that was his name and it meant liar or deceiver. But for some of us, if we were to ask or answer that question, the name would be scared. I'm scared. Who are you? Lonely. Who are you? Afraid. Who are you? Addicted. Who are you? Broken. Who are you? Empty. Who are you? Catastrophic. Who are you? Depressed. Who are you? Bipolar. I've got things in me. But I love what God says next in verse 28. Then the man said, your name will no longer be lonely. Your name will no longer be scared. Your name will no longer be broken. 
Your name will no longer be anxious. Your name will no longer be divorcee. Your name will no longer be forgotten. Your name will no longer be empty. Your name will no longer be sinner. Your name will no longer be liar. Your name will no longer be porn addict. Your name will no longer but Israel. 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 Because you have struggled with God and you have struggled with men and have overcome. Now, now, if he's, two things real quick. He's blessing the wrestling match. He's saying you're struggling with both, which is a revelation in and of itself that the tension that you're experiencing is not bad. A lot of people think that God left them because they're wrestling with their old man. But the fact that you're still wrestling with your old man is not evidence that God has left you. It's evidence that God has not left you. Because he's pulling you too. So I'm just telling somebody who's struggling with sin, the tension is proof that you haven't gone over. People ask me all the time, how do I know I'm saved? Because you care. Because you care. Because you still want to do right. Salvation is secure. The tension. Some people think after 2020 and 2021, I got no faith. My faith is weak. I've lost my faith. I've got tension in my faith. I'm having trouble believing in God. No, no, no. The fact that you're having trouble believing that you're in the tension doesn't mean that God has left you. No, it means that He's still holding on to you. That's why you feel the tension because He's still holding on to you. So this is the tension. What changes then? How do I overcome? What changes? is his name. His name is Israel. It means wrestle with God and that's how he overcomes. Now notice he's wrestling with man and God, but God doesn't call him he who wrestles with man and God. If that was the case, his name would have been something like Israel Adam El, because Adam or Adam means man and El means God. So his name would have been Israel Adam El, but it's, first off, it's really long. <laughs> but more importantly, in his name is the secret to his freedom. And the secret to his freedom is you don't, even though that you're not wrestling with man, you're wrestling with, let me show you. Jacob starts to wrestle with God. Let's go. You guys are wrestling now. Wrestle, look like you're wrestling. Put your leg back. Yeah, wrestle. When Jacob starts wrestling with God, God begins to bless Jacob. As a result, now Jacob, who wanted to grow up being Esau, now Esau wants to be like Jacob. So now Esau, hold on to his heel. Here's the revelation. What changes is not the tension. I'm still being pulled in two directions. What changes is not the tension. What changes is your attention. Please catch this. In this scenario, Jacob is wrestling with God, but this old man is still here holding on, trying to pull him back. But now Jacob can say, I'm fighting you, but I'm not focused on you. <laughs> I'm not wrestling with the old man anymore. I'm wrestling with the new man that God is calling me to be. In other words, the strategy for fighting has changed. I'm still sick, but I'm not wrestling my sickness. I'm wrestling in prayer, and I'm wrestling in worship, and I'm coming to God. God, you've got the answer. God, you can do it. I got a son and a daughter, and they're not serving God, but I'm not wrestling with my son and daughter. I'm wrestling with you, Jesus. My Restore them. You can send my home. My 
deserve your attention anymore. That problem, that issue, that struggle, you don't fight it by fighting it. Boom, you fight it by wrestling God. God, I got this illness in my body. The doctors can't do nothing. The medicine can't do nothing. The vaccine can't do nothing. Lord, would you be the one to do the miracle right now? Would you be the one to set us free? Would you be the one to rescue this nation? Would you be the one to bring an end to the pandemic? Would you be the one to bring an end to disease? I'm wrestling with you right now, Lord. God, we got racism in our country. Would you be the one to bring equity? Would you be the one to get one brother to treat his brother well, one sister to treat his sister well? I'm wrestling with you. I'm wrestling with you now. Thank y'all so much. You can go. Stay standing, stay standing as we close. I'm not wrestling with them anymore. I'm wrestling with you now, God. And now it's not you holding on to the old man anymore. It's him holding on to you. But if you wrestle with God long enough, something has to break. Something has to break. Something has to break. So if you're in this room right now and you're ready for something to break, you need Jesus in your heart. You need Jesus in your life. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. And then we're going to get into a worship moment right after this. And that worship moment is not going to just be just singing. This is the 12 o'clock. So you can leave when you leave. But, but I think we're going to go to a moment of worship right now where we just hold on to God and say, there are things in my life I can't do without you. I need you to do it right now. Would you do it? That's what worship is. But if you're in this room and you don't have a relationship with God and you're a guest, or maybe you've been coming for a long time, but you just feel now's the time to turn to God. That's what the word repent means in the Bible. It means to turn. I still got this old person hanging on to me, these old desires, this animal instinct, but I'm turning from that and I'm turning to you, God, and giving you my attention. That's you all over this place on the count of three. I want you to raise your right hand as a signal. I'm ready. I need Jesus. You don't got to do this, but just go ahead and lift it up. On the count of three, all over this place. One, two, three. If you need Jesus, raise your hand. Raise your hand right now. I see your hand raised. Come on. I see your hand raised. I see your hand raised. I see your hand raised all the way in the back. I see your hand raised. I see your hand raised. Father, we love you and we thank you. If you raise your hand, I want you to repeat after me right now. Dear Jesus, I thank you for who you are. Come on, say, thank you, Lord. I pray right now that you would help me turn right now from the old me to the new me. That you would help me right now start a new life in you. In Jesus' name I pray. I am ready to turn. Amen and amen. Come on, now put your hands together. All right, now get ready, get ready. If you feel comfortable, would you lift your hands right now to God and begin to wrestle that old man right now. Just begin to wrestle right now. We hope you've enjoyed this message and we would love to hear your story and how this ministry is changing your life. Please email us at amen at journeyorl.com. And if you would like to support financially, you can give online at journeyorl.com give. If you're in the area, join us on Sunday for the full experience. Have a blessed week.